Hey there, I'm Tyler Morrison from Haula Adventist Church, where we declare the gospel of freedom to God's sons and daughters every single week because it's absolutely changed our lives. We can't stop, won't stop, and now you're here to listen. So, here we go. Man, he is uh, having problems sleeping. He is frustrated. And so he goes finally to see a therapist because it's all these things on his mind. And he goes into the therapist and he says, Doc, I'm, I'm having these horrible dreams and I, I can't sleep. So I need your help. And so the doctor says, well, please, sir, tell me about your dreams. He's like, well, the dreams are, are, are bizarre because I, I dream, the dreams always start off the same. And in each night they switch off a little differently. I dream I start off in an Indian village, okay? And, and, and I'm walking through the village and all of a sudden I transform and I turn into a teepee. You know what the teepee is? It's one of those uh, triangular little uh, dwelling places that the Indians have. And he says, okay, and you know, it freaks me out. And then the next day, I have the same dream, except this time, instead of turning into a teepee, I turn into a wigwam. Does anybody know what the wigwam is? It's like a circular dwelling place. It's like a teepee, but instead of triangular, it's circular, okay? And they're, you know, moved and stuff. And so he's all, and then the next night, I'm a teepee. And then the, the night after that, I'm a wigwam. And then I'm a teepee, and I'm a wigwam. I'm a teepee, I'm a wigwam. And the doctor says, stop, I know what your problem is. So what's that? You're too tense. <laughs> yeah, that guy just got it, it's okay. Yeah, 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 you ever feel like that in your Christian walk, you know? Today, I'm feeling pretty good, okay? Today, I'm walking with God. I'm feeling uh, peaceful. I'm in a good uh, mood. I'm singing Christian songs. The guy cut in front of me, and I said, Blessing, sir. Have a good day. I'm feeling good today. But then the next day, man, the kid spills the cereal. I'm yelling at him. Uh, the guy cuts in front of me. And instead of saying blessings, I give him reverse blessings and a one-finger chaka. You know what I'm saying? And, and one day you feel like, oh, I'm in the Lord. And the next day you feel like, I'm not in the Lord. I'm in the Lord. I'm not in the Lord. And the enemy's there. He's whispering in your mind, I got you today. And the next day it's like, well, I, but God got me today. And then this day, God got me. Uh, the enemy got me. And then God got me. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like if, if, if I could just stay doing what I know I should be doing, I'd be in God and I wouldn't be in the enemy. Well, if you feel like that ever, I got good news for you. Because God is not a God who wants you to wonder and question whether or not day by day you're with Him. In fact, He's given us a promise. Somebody say promise. Promise. That once we accept Him, as long as we choose to be with Him, we are with him regardless, regardless, again, somebody said regardless, regardless. of our circumstances. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians, the second chapter. Ephesians, it is right before Philippians. And I want to take a gospel out of here today. Um, I found out that it's not enough to receive the gospel. Okay. The gospel goes out to all men. 
And many of us receive it, and it's great, and it feels good. The problem with just receiving it, though, it's like getting a wonderful gift and then putting it on the shelf just to look at, but never use it. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But we are called to do more than just receive it. We're called to live it. In order to live the gospel, we've got to learn a four-letter word. We're going to talk about that in just a second. Figure out the four-letter words. There are several four-letter words we've got to learn. Um, some of you are sitting back in your seats like this. Is this the regular pastor? I thought John was speaking. Uh, Ephesians 2. And um, let's start up in uh, verse 8. I think we'll start there. Yeah, Ephesians 2, verse 8. If you have it, say amen. This is the promise that Paul has written us through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit. For it is by, everybody? Grace, grace that you what? That you what? That you what been saved? That you have been saved. That you have been saved. It is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Jesus Christ, to do good works prepared ahead of us for us to do. It is by grace that you have been saved. The first four-letter word I want to, uh, or the only four-letter word we're going to talk about today, but the four-letter word we want to focus in today is have. Have. Uh, if you're curious what the other four-letter words are, gift is the first one. Okay? The second one today uh, in our series is have today's, and then grow, and then show, and then finally the one that covers us all together and unites all those gifts of the gospel is love. Uh, but today, today, the one I think that most fits in with what we're talking about in uh, being free from the prison of sin, the possession of the enemy, is this understanding that we have been saved. We have the gospel. When do we have it? Now. When we've accepted it. Period. In order to better illustrate this point, I want you to turn to Joshua, the um, the fourteenth chapter. Joshua fourteen. We're going to be reading verses uh, twelve and on. Joshua fourteen. Um, question I have for you before we read this, because this kind of sums up the uh, thoughts. We're running through. If Jesus Christ were to crest over this ocean side today, you would look out, someone would run in and say, uh, There's a giant cloud and a man sitting on it, and a bunch of uh, bright, shiny people are with him, and he's coming down over the bay, and you realize Jesus Christ has come. Would you have confidence? Would you know that you're going home today? Would you know it without a shadow of a doubt? And if You've accepted Jesus Christ, and you have to sit there for half a second and think, what did I do today? What did I do this week? Then you don't know what you have. And this message is to assure us that we have salvation. I can stop right there. Some of you wish I would. I can stop right there. Just at that point. You should know what you have, and we have salvation in Jesus Christ. Period. Somebody say period. I'm going to get a tattoo with a cross and a period next to it. That's going to be my, 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 my calling card. Nobody steal that. 
It's my idea. All right. Joshua. Because what does Joshua have to do? Old Testament, but trust me, we're going to get there. Joshua, the um, 14th chapter, starting about the 12th verse. Uh, I should probably give you some, some heads up to this, some, some, some lead up. Uh, Joshua, the... Yeah, we'll probably start... Um, let's start with verse 10, I think. Yeah, maybe, maybe a little earlier. Uh, no, we'll start with verse 6. There we go, we'll start with verse 6. I like 6. Um, children of Israel had been freed from their bondage. Okay, they had come to Sinai and they had gotten the Ten Commandments. They had heard the voice of God saying, you are mine and I am yours. They had built the sanctuary. Everything was going great. And then they got to the promised land. Why was it called the promised land? Because God had promised it to them. He said, this is what you will have. You will have a land flowing with milk and honey. You will have a land rich in abundance. You will have a goodness and a greatness for you. You have this thing. And so they got there, and Joshua said, listen, why don't we send some, or Moses said, let's send some men out into this land to make sure that it's everything that God said it was. And so they send 12 men out. And these 12 men search the entire land. And they come back, and they are amazed. All 12 of them. They said, you don't realize what they got there. They got, like, like, like grapes the size of, like, melons, okay? And they got melons the size of watermelons. And they got watermelons the size of boulders. And you get the idea. It's, everything is great. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. There's enough grass to feed our cows, and so there's going to be a lot of milk. There's enough trees to fruit and make flowers. It's going to be great. It's everything God said it was. But, but, in my pastor's eyes, I can almost see God wanting to reach down and smack them because as they are eating these giant-sized grapes and the juice is dripping down their beards, like, yeah, yeah, it's everything God said it was. Yeah, it's flowing with milk and honey. It's everything God promised, but the giants in the land, there's giants. There are these things bigger than us. Circumstances in the land keeping us from being there. We can't go in. And all of them said, yeah, we can't do it, except two people. Joshua and Caleb, who were drawn in the land. And Joshua and Caleb said, yes, there are giants in the land. And yes, we're like grasshoppers to them. But here's the thing. We serve a mighty God. We serve a God who is but a, a, a thought away from doing whatever he wants to do. They may be giants to us, but they are specks to God. God has promised us this land so we can take this land. The problem is, the problem is the people sided with their fears. They look at the circumstances of the land. And so because of that, God allowed them to wander in their ignorance. Now, let me ask you something. Was the land theirs? Yes. Absolutely. Was the land everything God said it would be? Absolutely. So why didn't the people believe God? It's because they looked at their circumstances and they chose to believe their circumstances. They chose to believe what was right in front of them instead of the promise that God had given them. Sometimes, sometimes we may wander in a wilderness of life. 
even when the possessions of the promised land of God are right there for the taking because of our belief in circumstances over God. They got back to the land 40 years later. They come into the land, and this time they have faith. This time they say, God gave it to us, we're going to take it. And so they took the land, most of the land. Okay? They go through, and they say, well, we've got most of the land, we're doing good, okay? We're doing pretty good. We're going to start parceling out the land now, okay? And you guys go over here, and uh, uh, you know, uh, tribe of Ephraim, you guys go over here, and Zephaniah, uh, Zebulon, you get over there, Zephaniah is not a tribe, okay? And then Dan, you get over here, and then, and then people are like, like, what about the hill country? Like, shh, we're talking about the hill country. Like, well, what about the hill country? It's the hill country, it's a good country. He says, there are giants, that's where all the giants went. Hebron. You want to go with Hebron? We'll, we'll deal with Hebron later. Maybe we can all get together, you know, and when we're, you know, back up to our full strength, you know, bigger, and then maybe we can take Hebron. In the midst of them arguing about whether or not what was going to go on, old man steps forward. Joshua 14, starting in verse 6. Now the men of Judah approached Joshua Gilgal and Caleb, the son of Jephthah, the Kizlite, said to him, You know, this is the old man coming forward, what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses sent the servant of the Lord uh, and me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought back a report according to my convictions. But the brothers went up with me, made the hearts of the people melt with fear. However, I followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly, so that on that day Moses said to me, the land which your feet have walked is your inheritance, that of you and your children forever, because you have accepted the Lord your God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive these 45 years. Now, somebody, quick, do some math. If he was 40 years old when he went in, and he'd been wandering for 40 years in the wilderness, and now they've been four, five years in the uh, promised land, how old is he now? 85 years old. I'm not going to ask if there's anybody 85 years old in here, but I had a few grandparents who were in their 80s, 85, and you know what? You get a little slower then. Okay? Things start to slow down. What does this 85-year-old say? He has kept me alive these 45 years since that time. And he said to Moses, when all Israel moved about the desert, so I am here today, 85 years old, and I am still as strong today as the day the Lord sent me out. I am just as vigorous to go out into battle now as I was then. Now give me this mountain that the Lord has promised me. You yourselves heard that the Analekites were there, the giants. Their cities were large and fortified. But, but, somebody say but. but. God is with me. I will drive them out just as he had said. Give me this mountain. Caleb stands up there and says, I am just as strong today. Now, I don't know if he meant physically, okay? But what I do know is that he definitely meant spiritually. My faith is not waning. Circumstances may be the same, but my faith is also the same. I'm ready to take this on. There are three things from this. I want you to understand about this four-letter word, have. Okay? Three things I want you to, to take with you as you go home. 
Those of you who are debating whether or not you have gospel on one day and whether or not you have the enemy on the other day, whether you're still in connection to the prison of sin in your life. The first is this, know what you have. Know what you have. The second is this, know that you have it. And finally, finally, be honest with yourself and ask, is what I have what I really want? Father in heaven, we ask that you would speak to us today that you would shut the mouth of this Portuguese. <laughs> and Lord, let your mouth, your, your voice, your words, your spirit, your purpose be the only thing heard today. Speak through me, Lord, as you speak through me, I pray. Thank you. In Jesus' name. First thing is, know what you have. Know what you have. Caleb was so incensed or determined to, to, to receive that land because he knew what was in there. He knew it was a good land. Hebron was some of the best land in the, the entire region. Okay? He knew it was good. So he said, I want what I was promised. Not because, not because uh, 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 I think I deserve it. Because I already have it. Because since God promised it to me, it's been mine. And these guys have been living there rent-free for too long. It's time for me to take what is mine, what I already have. What, church, what has God promised you? See, when we accept Jesus, we accept Jesus. We are promised that we will get at least four things. I want to talk about these things. These things, and by the way, by the way, I should probably slow down and make sure I'm talking to the right people. Do I have anybody in this house today who's accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior? Let me see your hands. A few. Okay, a few. It's good. Praise God. So if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then there are four things for sure that you have right now. First is you have his life. Okay. You have the life that he lived. That covers the life that you live. Praise God. Hallelujah. I think. So when the enemy starts whispering and saying, oh, they're not worthy. They dropped the ball here. They did this. And Jesus Christ just looks at the enemy and says, shut up. Jesus Christ actually says shut up sometimes. You believe that? Their life is covered with my life. Praise God. Praise God for that. Second thing we have is his death. Christ paid the penalty so we don't have to. That's good news. That's good news. Third thing we have is his presence. Okay? God promised us, Jesus Christ promised us that I will never not sometimes. Not like if the game is on and I'll be right back. But I will never leave you or forsake you. Lo, behold, listen up. I am with you. I am with you. Even until the end of the age. No matter who deserts you, no matter how bad your circumstances get, if you've accepted Jesus Christ, know that you have. Have him with you. you're being yelled at and told you're not good enough, when life and circumstances are getting you down and telling you you're not, it's not even worth you to be here because, you know, really, you're just all alone, you can say, shut up, Lord, because Jesus is with me. I'm never alone. And finally, you have his lordship. You have his lordship. Lordship directs us in how to choose Jesus Christ, uh, walking with him daily. 
Baba says you will hear a voice behind you speaking, saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. When I was a younger man, I didn't like to be told at all what to do. I don't know if you can relate with me. I want no boss, didn't want no parent. I was a man, okay, I was 16 years old, I'm a man. <laughs> Tell me what to do. Well, I found out a few things through this stubborn Portuguese brain. Every time I tried to do what I wanted, go my own way, get what I thought was best, I usually ended up messed up. Okay? Ended up in situations I'd like to be in. When I fully accepted what I had in Jesus Christ, I realized something. God has already laid out a path for me. And as I listen to him, that voice gets clear. So many times we live in anxiety not knowing what we should do or where we should go. God's already given you direction. This is the way. Walk in, in it. And when you don't know which way to go, we'll just keep going the way you've been going in the Lord. These are four things that we get when we have Jesus Christ. I want to make sure you know what you have. I want to make sure you know what you have. Because if we don't know what we have, we tend not to use what we have. Well, I was, um, it was a big deal to me then. Nowadays, it might not be such a big deal. Um, actually, I'm not going to tell the story. I told the story. Tell the story itself. A man, uh, his friend, died in his arms. He, um, I know, he's like, Pastor, tell the other story. This is already depressing. He gets up to speak and says, You know, John was such a good friend of mine. We were so close. I was so happy to be together at the end. Um, in fact, the last thing he did was give me his favorite pin to, um, to, to keep with him. And someone said, well, what kind of pin is it? He said, well, I don't know. And I walked or something, he looked at it and said, it's an EpiPen. <laughs> the problem of not knowing what you have is sometimes you may not use it. Is that wrong? Is that no? Oh, yeah. like that? I should have brought me on with the other story. <laughs> but, 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 but the point remains, it's important to understand. See, we have life-saving gospel in us at all times God know what we have 1 John 5 12 says this whoever has the son has life whoever does not have the son does not have life if you have the son if you have the son let me hear you say amen, amen. then you have life second thing know you have it not just know what you have but have confidence that what you have is really yours. See, Caleb didn't see the giants or the rough terrain. He saw the promises of God. What has God, again, promised you that you would have? Don't let the giants in your life keep you from seeing what you have in the Lord. See, John wrote those words so that we would have certainty in salvation. Now here's the thing I want to really point out for you. Certainty in salvation does not mean that we will have certainty in our senses or certainty in our circumstances. What it means is that we will have certainty in our God. See, far too often we use our circumstances, uh, the way we feel about something, to determine where we, whether or not we have it. And God says, that's poppycock. Okay? The way you feel about how you, what you have does not interest me as much as you knowing that you have it. 
Can you imagine if Caleb went in there and said, Oh, yeah, I mean, I know I have the land, but the giants, they're too big. It's too much for me. Would have never taken the blessings that God had for him. He would have lived homeless while somebody else lived in his home. And too many of us right now are living homeless in our emotions, living homeless in our certainty because we have circumstances that we're letting live in our home of faith. Your circumstances do not determine your salvation or his love for you. That's why the man in Proverbs 24:16 keeps rising up. You know Proverbs 24, 16, don't you? Oh, my favorite text is on the Bible. It says, the righteous man falls seven times. Now, do you all know what seven means, right? Seven in the Bible, when you look at it, is the number of completion. Okay, the number of perfection. So it says the righteous man, the what kind of man? Righteous. Righteous man falls seven times. Falls until he's completely fallen. Falls until he shouldn't be anything else but fallen. But, but. Oh, by the way, what makes him righteous? He's accepted God. Because he has what God has promised him. And so because he has what God has promised him, despite what his circumstances look like, because his circumstances look like, uh-uh, this ain't going to work. He rises again. I praise God for confidence in spite of circumstances. Now, I'm a married man, so I understand about having something despite circumstances, okay? I want to step on some toes, but, 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 you know, when I first got married, I had a bunch of emotions, right? When I first met my wife, if you ever met her, she's a beautiful woman, I saw her across the store, and I was like, oh, my heart was like, going down my chest, you know? Yeah, my, my smoothest, you know, 1990s. How you doing? In spite of that, she still chose me. Okay, in spite of all that ridiculousness. And she looked at me, and I looked at her, and the, the birds were singing, and the, the, the corpse, our harps were playing. It's beautiful. Lindsay, you don't know what I'm talking about yet, son, but I promise you one day, maybe, if you're really good, maybe, I know, someone takes pity on you, you will know what I'm talking about. It's a beautiful thing. Then we got married on a wonderful wedding day. And then we moved into our first house together. And something happened. All of a sudden, this wonderful, beautiful, kind woman started getting uppity. And ideas about what things should be. And, you know, like, you know, I'm saying, wait a minute here. I'm my mother's favorite son. Me telling me what you, know, you think. And there were times I came up where I didn't feel those ba-bum-ba-bum-ba-bum anymore. I didn't hear the birds chirping. I didn't see the heavens open up. I saw rain clouds. The birds chirping were hawks or uh, crows. (laughs) But in spite of the circumstances, telling me that I didn't have to love her anymore. God told me something else. He said, you've got 
more than circumstances here. You have the promise of truth. I put you together. She is your promise to You have her, even when you don't feel like having her. Just like I have you, even when you don't act like a child of mine. I said, praise God, hallelujah. And what I found out later, and I know this is going to shock most of you, she felt the same about me. <laughs> but yeah, we're still together. By the grace of God, praise God. Amen. I know, Jonathan comes over sometimes. He's like, I don't know how she puts up with you. By the grace of God, son. First <laughs> John 5.13 says this. I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Do I have any believers in here? If you do, let me hear you say amen. amen. I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. He was writing this to people who were messing up left and right, but he wanted them to know, don't look at your circumstances, look at your God. Because the enemy points you to your circumstances. Your God points you to him. I know some of you in here today have been challenged by that. Say, you, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. Okay. I mean, yeah, I'm in this place today, but you don't know what I'm really like. You don't know the depths of darkness that, 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 that well up within me sometimes. I don't know if you could say that if you really knew me. Guess what? I don't need to know you. God does. He knows you better than you know yourself. The lowest low you think you can go to, God knows that's only the uh, penthouse. Okay, if you're depravity. But he still loves you. He still accepted you. He still has made you holy in his sight. I don't know about you, but that makes me want to say amen. Paul says in Romans that while we were still sinners, we're still on that, um, that train of selfishness and destruction. God sent Jesus Christ, and he died for us. And in doing so, showed his love for us. And if God had reconciled himself to us while we were sinners in that way, how much more once you've accepted him? Can we have confidence that we're with God in Jesus Christ in spite of how things look? If your good deeds didn't save you, brothers and sisters, your bad deeds aren't going to damn you. Now, how do we get damned? Well, that's another sermon for another time. But basically, quickly, I'm gonna, it's extra, I'm not going to charge you for this part. But um, God's got love, which means it's God choice. And anytime we want, we can choose to walk away from God. I ain't going to come after us, it's going to hound us, going to make sure that's what we want. But anytime we choose to, we can leave it. But if we choose not to, then don't let your circumstances determine your adoption. You are God's, and He is yours. Somebody say, God's mine. Somebody says, I know it. All right. Finally, finally, is what you have what you really want. 
is that you have what you really want. Caleb took the land because it's what he really wanted. Okay? Why did he want? Because God had given it to him. Okay? But many didn't fully take the land. Many in Israel uh, went in the land and left others to stay in the land because they wanted their idols still. See, when God took the children of Israel out of Egypt and gave them freedom, it was an awesome thing. And they all sung a song once they got to the other side of the Red Sea. Uh, song of Miriam, they call it. Okay? Got together, and the ladies they said, We're going to get together. We're going to tell God how much we appreciate the freedom He's given us. And they sang a big hallelujah song. And then, like a week later, they were damning His name. They said, We're going on. It was better for us back in Egypt. You see, they had freedom, but what they really wanted was captivity. Because in captivity, sometimes there's comfort. In captivity, sometimes there's assurance. You know, confidence in what's you know, you know, going on. This day is going to bring this. This day is going to be this. I like that. I want that. With freedom, sometimes it's unknown. And so though they had freedom in God, though they had a promised land in God, many of them really didn't want it. The question I have for you today is, do you want what you have in God? Many don't access the peace they have in God. Don't access the patience they have in God. Don't access the joy they have in God or the forgiveness they have in God because they really don't want those things. They're really addicted to the drama and the misery and the self-pity and the unforgiveness. And any of you who have lived lives of unforgiveness, you know what I'm talking about. Because it becomes a thing of uh, like, like a child to you. You give birth to it in your soul and it becomes bigger and bigger and you hold on to it. It becomes precious to you. And when people come and try and take it from you, you snap at them and say, no, it's my precious. <laughs> Younger kids got that. Anyway, yours. Hold it tight. And God is trying to get you to have the things he promised you. But you say, yeah, that's nice, God. But what I really want is this thing. We must make up our minds that what we have is what we really want. We make up our minds by using, using what he's given us. Too many of us use years of relationships with our children and our parents because we didn't want what we had at the time. Instead, we want work over relationship. Status over bondage. Many of us struggle through debt because we didn't want the financial freedom we had. And so we choose things over freedom. They say the majority of America is deep in debt, not because it needs to be. Okay? Don't let people fool you. Most people don't have enough, not because there isn't enough to be had, but because they want more than they need. And they see the neighbors drive in with a new car. Well, we need to get a new car. See neighbors bring the full screen, big screen TV into the house. We need to get a full screen TV. Dropping cable over, look at my TV. A little bit ago, it's all, I want that TV in my house. Baby, have that TV. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, church? You know what I'm saying? We struggle. Many marriages are lost. 
because quite frankly, they didn't want what they had. In many spiritual marriages are strained right now because though we've been given everything in God, we still want what the enemy has promised us. Pain and suffering, we yearn for it. So if you've still been struggling after you know that you have salvation, after you've sought to um, use your salvation, then you have to ask yourself, is what I have what I really want? But if it is, let him praise God, because he got it. Philippians 3, 7. Close on this text. Uh, you were supposed to read my mind and play softly. You didn't. Oh, you can play now. I mean, yeah. This guy, I swear. It's this generation of people today. They can't read your minds anymore. Right, that, that, that last point would have been so much more effective if there had been soft music playing and yeah, it's built it. Am I going to do it again? <laughs> if you want your victory over sin, you have it. If you want your salvation, you have it. If you want your peace, patience, love, and joy, guess what, brothers and sisters? Somebody say it. I have it. Repeat after me. I, I have, have it. it. I use it. Philippians 3, again, 7 to 10. This is Paul talking. Paul who had to decide if what he had in Jesus was what he really wanted because what he had outside of Jesus was status. Okay? He was a known scholar of one of the great scholars of all time. He was uh, one of the students. Okay? He had popularity. He was against what everybody else was against. Okay? He had a track going upward. And a penthouse apartment in the sky. Well, Jesus had people trying to kill him all the time. He lost his popularity. He was considered a heretic. Not just by, by the way, the people outside the church, but by a lot of the people inside the church. He lost so much, but he says this. He says this. Seven. But whatever was to my profit before, I now count as loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all those things, but I consider them rubbish. That I might continue to gain. He already had Christ, but the gain was the relationship, growing every day in that relationship, knowing what he had. And that I might be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but which comes through faith in Christ. Someone say, Praise God. I want to know Christ, he says, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him into death, and so somehow also to attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul knew what he had in Jesus Christ. And he knew he wanted it. 
The good news is, if you want, you've got it too. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for being a God who does not make us waffle back and forth, do the spiritual hokey pokey with our confidence in you, but have given us faith, have given us assurance that despite our circumstances, we are yours. Lord, let us take stock of what we have in you. Let us have complete confidence that we have it in you. And then let us use it for you. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Hey, it's Tyler again. And I just wanted to say thanks for listening. If you learned something or were challenged and encouraged, uh, make sure to subscribe and share this with someone else. We'd love for you to join us for one of our Saturday morning services. And if you'd like more material on today's topic, email us at haulasda at gmail.com.